Joe Viterbo, that funny man from Chicago, has scored his own mechanics for 40 points and is off to catch Calamity Jane and Frankenstein. Well, the commissioners convinced this debacle happened because you weren't doing the same undercover student thing you did the first time. She doesn't get that it's always worse the second time around. Do the same thing as last time. Everyone's happy. And welcome back to Reboot Deboot. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I am the other co-host, Alex. And we are the podcast that cover movies, their reboots, their remakes, and you are our audience and our hearers. Yep. Canonically. What, what we call everyone. <laughs> How you been, Alex? Good. The days are quite short now. It's very cold and wet and dark. Daylight savings. <laughs> I got the next hour back, but at what cost? At what cost? It's yeah. It's like 5 fucking 30 now. <laughs> like full on sundown, nothing left. Yeah, it was. Um, I woke up a little late today, and I woke up to the sound of incredibly loud thunder and hail, like massive hail. Oh yeah, we got crazy hail here earlier this week. I was going into work, and it looked like it had snowed um, from all the hail. And then yeah, so I almost spun out going five <laughs> miles an hour trying to get to a parking spot. It was great. Oof. <laughs> You gotta be careful, man. That's the most... That's probably some of the more severe inclement weather we'll get around here. It might snow for like a day or two, maybe. But Time to break out the chains for like an hour. Yeah, well, I have to go up this hill to get to work. Um, so like it wasn't hailing at the bottom of the hill, but that like 20 feet elevation difference apparently made a lot of difference. So. <laughs> <laughs> weather, man. No one knows how it works. Yeah. How you been doing? Uh, uh yeah, it's uh, it's getting dark here. It's cold. I like the cold. I like the gray. Um, it yeah. does freak me out when I'm like, oh, it's five o'clock. Cool. Oh, it's six o'clock, but it feels like eleven. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. uh, you know. But I do my best work in the dark, so I don't mind it too much. <laughs> um crazy stuff going on in the news but that's all depressing have you seen any good movies aside from the topic today uh, oh i did actually watch a bunch of movies i think um i watched something called the green knight that was pretty cool this is an a20 oh the arthurian yeah arthurian legend it's, about sir yeah gowan sir gawain yeah gowan that's it yeah it is spelled gawain but everyone in the movie pronounces it Gowan, because it's Celtic. yeah, I mean, yeah. It was Were cool. you familiar was of uh, what's your experience with the Green Knight, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything about it until I put on this movie. I just heard someone on a podcast talking about talking about the character of the Green Knight, like from the movie. And I was like, oh, it sounds pretty sure. cool. And then I slapped it on, and then it, you know, one of the first like title cards is like an adaptation of. Sir, yeah. Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, or whatever the story is called. Um, but it was good. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Especially if you, I think if 
if you're into like fantasy stuff at all or like Arthurian stuff even, it was it was pretty cool. It was really, really cool vibe to it. Very like aesthetically similar to the witch. Um Okay. Not yeah, I, I'm, nearly as I'm familiar with the story. Stuff. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was yeah. an A twenty four movie. It was pretty well made. It was Were you uh were you was was the ending I'm I'm assuming it ends like the like the story ends. Uh did that catch you off guard at all? I don't, so like in the movie, I guess the movie's like a year old and maybe a little obscure, so a spoiler alert, I guess. Um, in the movie, I don't know how the story ends, in the movie, he makes it to the cathedral and then he runs away before he gets his head cut off. Um, and then it goes through like this whole like life of his, King Arthur dies, he gets made king, he goes through like his entire life, and at the end of it, the castle is being stormed and he like whips off this sash, this protective sash he's been wearing the entire time that is like sort of keeping him alive and as he pulls it out his head falls off and it's a skull and then it flashes back to him with the green knight and then he takes his sash off there and gets his head chopped off oh i don't how does the story end uh he goes to the cathedral and he gets his head cut off and yeah, then um sense. everyone hears about it and they're like they all wear a sash now in commemoration because he was the most uh, most um, chaste and noble knight because anyone else would have broke to the temptation of the wife sooner than he did. Sooner. So they right. wear it as... Like, yeah, it, it's like... I don't, I don't it's, know it's not a question point. of if you break, it's a question of when you break. I don't know if this is like a point of the story too, but it's pretty, like, in the movie at least, it's pretty obvious this dude is sort of full of shit the whole time. Like, he... He really didn't have to, at least the way I'm reading the rules of the game, he could have just gone up and, like, nicked the dude on the cheek or something, and then that would have been returned to him a year later instead of getting his fucking head lopped off. And yeah. just kind of like a yeah. doggy asshole the whole time. Like, he... <laughs> it's, he does that podium you, finish, what, the dude bows down, he gets his head cut off, and then, like, Gawain Gowan is just like, Yeah, bitch! Yeah! Everyone will talk of this day! Yeah! <laughs> It's like watching someone finish zero five zero in like Rainbow Six, right? And then like talk mad trash. I like once you get into like the Knights of the Round Table, right? And like Arthur himself, there's not a lot of good. It's not a lot, once you like look into these guys and like, oh, you read the stories. There's nothing really redeemable there about these guys. You get the idea they're pretty much just a bunch of drunken college frat boys. Very soap opera y. Um, yeah, or yeah, so yeah, they're like frat dudes. They did like, a pretty good job at capturing that too in this because, like, after he like lops this dude head off in a very sort of like what should be a shameful way, like the whole round table is there and they all fucking like erupt in applause and everyone's like, yeah, of course, praises, praises for the next year. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's talking about the brave knight, Sir Sir Gowan. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. gets like mugged by a kid when he goes on his trip. Like he's, you know, he's not a very good knight. Sure. Uh, yeah, it was yeah cool I, I, rem I remember the trailer, and I'm like, oh, cool, they're doing that. And then uh, I was like, that's really, that's kind of a more obscure, like. Arthur story out because everyone knows Merlin, everyone knows the fucking lady of the lake, everyone knows Arthur, but no one really follows the other exploits of the knights who have their own poems and stories and myths. So I thought it was really cool that like someone would go out and do the Green Knight, you know? Yeah, it made me go and find this book that I read when I was 
like way younger, maybe like 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and I couldn't remember what it was called at first, but it's called The Dragon and the Unicorn. And it is, it's like a book in a series of books that is uh, sort of like Arthurian, like court stuff. But this one starts out before and it's talking about like Uther, like his pops. And then also, I can't remember yeah. her name, but the Queen of the Celts that is his mom. Um, and a little bit of like Morgan Le Fay's backstory too. It's cool. Um, they do this thing there where they have like this whole cosmology where like the gods, they're like the Celtic gods that are real. And then they're Christian gods that are real. And they're like fighting each other on this other plane as like an allegory for like those two faith groups fighting each other on earth. It's kind of neat. And then Merlin is like Benjamin buttoned. He's a demon that gets trapped in the body of a man. Cool. You kind of you, you kind of just jogged a memory uh, for me, uh, Alex. Yeah. In the Dragon of the Unicorn, is the unicorn's name Allegra? <laughs> like the medicine? I don't. It might be something like that. It's kind of halfway. I think I had that book. Yeah, it's the cover. It's like A. A. Adonazio is the author, and the cover is like a or a, it's something. Yeah, like, I, I think the I cover think the uniform, is like a yeah. black. It's like an all-black dragon with like sort of a white unicorn like cut out in the middle of the dragon shape. Does the name? Uh, does the name? Huh? What's his late? Laoken? Laken? I can't remember. Okay. Merlin has a demon name in it. I'll find a picture of it later and uh, send it to you or something if you want. Laoken? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, this yeah. is not a podcast about uh, <laughs> English fantasy, uh, English folklore. <laughs> yeah. um, Alex, why don't you tell our audience, our hearers, what we're going to be discussing today? Yeah, we uh, we're talking about Death Race, Death Race two thousand from like nineteen seventy four, I think five to five, and Death Race from the two thousands. It was like two thousand. Eight or something? No, earlier than eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah. Um. Crazy madcap sci-fi adventures. Well, one of them was the other one. E. I don't know. I'm curious to know what which one you which one you think is what. I'm gonna. So I'll do a little spoiler alert up top. I loved one of the one of these movies is my favorite thing. One of my favorite things we've watched for this, and the other one made me want to claw my eyes and ears out. Those are both extreme reactions. Yeah, uh, I, felt I had an extreme reaction. This is so, one of my favorite things we've watched, and one of the least pleasant movies. Like we like visually, it was like aggressively bad visually. I felt like it was trying to make me sick, like intentionally. I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm. You still you I'm really so don't confused. know which one? <laughs> okay. Well, let's keep going. <laughs> well, because, like, I can't imagine you being, like, a huge Jason Statham fan to be into 2008 that much. But at the same time, I can't see you really getting into Death Race 2000. Oh, so, okay, well, here it is. Then. Death Race 2000 was amazing. I loved every second of it. I thought it was fantastic. It's one of my, <laughs> one of the best times I've had watching a movie for this. Uh, <clears throat> and then the Jason Statham one. I watched them almost back to back, and the Jason Statham one really took the wind out of my sails. It was like aggressively bad from the start. I thought, 
you know what? I'm so interested to hear why. <laughs> uh, let's just hop into this, man. Death Race 2000. Yeah. Did you do research? Came out. It? Do you have any cool? <laughs> Came out. Oh, I, 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 I got some stuff. Okay. I got some stuff. Yeah, we talked about the name, so I know we're getting into that. Uh, so Death Race 2000 first came out in April 27th, 1975. Uh, the budget, roughly 300 to 600,000. Okay. Box office take, 5 to 8 million. Yeah, God, that's awesome. This was a Roger Corman production, and I've talked about Roger Corman before. Uh, he's an American producer and actor, and he is the reason why we have, you know, movies like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He had, uh, he created uh, the Roger Corman effect, and he described it as he made a movie called Pterosaur. And if Pterosaur made half of what it cost, then they can justify making Pterosaur 2. And if Pterosaur 2 makes half of what that cost, then they can make Pterosaur 3. And this goes on. But when those start getting into like a quarter of what it made, then there will never be a Pterosaur 4 or a Pterosaur 5. So as long as... Recipe for the, yeah. shitty movies. Yeah, pers- <laughs> yeah. He, he is kind of the reason why we have um, all of like that... F- theory you know you he, throw, he became you throw paul ws anderson in there and god help us all yeah <laughs> he he became the guy known for this stuff in hollywood um and a lot of other hollywood studios directors gleamed onto that idea you know that's why we have fast and the furious nine and friday the 13th 10 and all that shit uh he is also known for being kind of a hack in his movies mainly because of his movies from the 60s and 70s um which were a little sci-fi a little hacky a little campy but then in the 90s he also like Jurassic Park came out and right behind it was a movie called Pterosaur mm. and it's basically a worse a worse in every way version of Jurassic Park, you know, like it's that business model of a big movie, and it can't, it doesn't really exist as much today. But it was like this rental move where, like, a big movie would come out, and then you would try and put out a movie within two months, like from the other movie coming out to like your movie being on the shelves in rental places with box art that looked similar. It was basically trying to trick people into (laughs) into renting your movie on accident. To give you an idea. Uh, in 2010, Roger Corman was responsible for something called Sharktopus. Mm. And in 2012, he was responsible for Piranaconda. Okay, yeah. Let's see what both oh. of those are sort of spoofing or trying yeah. to like, ride the coattails of. Yeah, so uh, that's Roger Corman. Now, throw in, like you said, Paul W.S. Anderson, and we have a fucking Don't recipe for... Up. Yeah, right. I think the um, Paul W. Sanderson movie we talked about was the Resident Evil one was him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Death Race came from the mind of a man named no, Ib. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm aware. Uh, Ib Melkor? Mil- Milkor? Uh, he is a Danish-American novelist. Um, actually has quite a, a lot of accolades to his uh name um but we're gonna focus more on his career as a filmmaker and in the 60s he wrote things like the anger and planet the time travelers 
uh, Robinson Crusoe on Mars, Journey to the Seventh Planet, uh, Planet of the Vampires, and a short story called The Racer, which would then be adapted into Death Race 2000, which came out one year before Rocky. And why did I say one year before Rocky, Alex? Yeah, because Sly Stallone is in it. I was really not expecting that, but he's great. Listen. Machine Gun Kelly, or no, Machine Gun Joe, that? Joe, right? Not Machine not, Gun not Joe. That guy who's really in a beef with Eminem. Machine yeah, Gun I, uh, Joe Letourneau, right? I was not expecting to see. I was, <laughs> I was not so much weird shit happened in this movie, and every time I kept on like it made me giddy every time something strange happened. Uh, yeah. So, what's your experience with Death Race, Alex? Uh, other than knowing it existed, almost none. I think, okay, so there's a YouTube kind of review channel called Your Movie Sucks. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like... I'm aware. Snarky reviews, kind of, right? And then, like, mostly reviewing, or, like, originally it was reviewing lots of, like, just, like, straight up terrible. Like, not so bad they're good, but just, like, bad, bad movies. And sure. uh, that guy, Adam, did a series on the Death Race movies. I think, like, the the Paul W. Sanderson ones. And it's been sure. a while since I watched those, but uh, I hadn't seen any of the movies before this weekend when we watched them. Okay. Um, I played Twisted Metal, which we kind of thought this was going to be like that, but it's kind of not really. Well, the newer one is a bit, but... Yeah, I don't know. What about What about you? Um, I knew Death Race 2000 existed. I knew the remakes existed. Uh, I was a Twisted Metal fan. And I played Vigilante 8. And I played Road Rash. Um, that's it. I never saw either of these movies. Um, I didn't even... I knew vaguely what the plot was about. But I was attributing the plot from the 2008 one to the 1975 one originally. Yeah, so the 1975 one is more of, and there's a, I know there's a game, there's a computer game uh, from, you know, 30 years ago now, where it was very similar. You get points for running over pedestrians. Um, but it right. Was like, it was like NES, like, it was like SNES Mario Kart graphics, though, basically. Uh, but, like, it was like if Doom and Mario Kart did a crossover, kind of. So, uh, the world, the, the economy has collapsed and essentially they're living in like this, uh, painted background of science fiction city. Those panouts were crazy, right? Cause it looks all utopian and shit back there. There's like a fucking giant monorail and like a biodome yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But then also it seems like society has collapsed in America. So I don't know who's keeping that city running. But, uh, yeah, um, and there is a national race that happens every year. It is called the Death Race, and uh, it's a money maker. People have their you place bets, and you can watch. And people are like, they love these racers so much that they're offering themselves to be killed on the track because you get points for varying people. Like an old woman is seventy points, and a baby is a hundred. And yeah, at the hospital thing. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we'll, I, we'll get to, yeah, like, we'll, cause oh. the, I, I want to talk about, like, the, yeah, but he side swerves them to take out the nurses. So there's also, in America, right, there's also, the president is now just a guy named Mr. President, and he, like, rules from a palace in Southeast Asia. 
he rules America from overseas. Right. And he's like a he's like a great leader style, like Kim style fucking figure. Down to the I mean, even down to like people kind of worshiping him. Um and also there's a large contingent of Nazis. Like the Nazi party is at a resurgence in America, and one of the races is just straight up an Aryan woman with a big old swastika on her helmet. Uh you're talking about Matilda the Hun. Matilda the Hun, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That was her uh, Reba, uh Roberta Collins is Matilda the Hun. And then her like Werner von Braun co pilot guy. Like yeah. Rocket Rocket Boy or whatever. Herman the German Bach. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> he was the navigator. Um so there is a driver named Frankenstein. And he has, uh, so they have a driver and a navigator. So the drivers are Frankenstein, his aunt, navigator, Annie Smith, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, that's David Carradine also is Frankenstein. Yeah. David Carradine, you'll know from Horribly the Kung Fu series. Or is he? <laughs> He's not. Or bum, bum, bum. Uh, we have a young pre-Rocky Sylvester Stallone coming in as Joe Machine Gun Viterbo. Uh, we've got Mary Wanrov as Jane Calamity Jane Kelly. We've got Roberta Collins as Matilda the Hun. We have Martin Cove as Ray Nero the Hero Lonigan. Oh, God, I forgot about him. <laughs> uh, and then we have William Shepard as Pete, who is Jane's navigator. Uh, Leslie McRae is Cleopatra, who is Neo, uh, Nero's navigator. Um, Fred Grandy as Herman the German Bach, which is Matilda's navigator. Um, we have Harriet Meaden as Tomanisa Payne, the great, 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 like, great, great, great granddaughter of Payne. Thomas Payne. Yeah. Oh my God. God this movie. <laughs> this so we cool. have, yeah. So, so those are your uh, main, main cast of actors. Um, they have to race across the country from New York to California, and it is the first one to cross the finish line wins, or if it is a tie, it is whoever has the most points, and you get points by running over pedestrians. The rules are kind of nebulous, though, it seems like, because towards the end, when it's just Frankenstein and I think Machine Gun is the last one left, they say that Machine Gun has such a point lead that he could finish second and still win the race overall. So, no. Oh. I, again, I don't think the rules is a, are really is it a like point, a focus. Is it a point-based system then? Like totally? Like if you cross the point, like the finish line, do you get a point system? Unfortunately, a rule book was not disseminated to me when I bought this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. All right. Um. So Alex, you apparently you said this was like your fucking jam. I so it. it was so good. I, I I'm gonna hold all my opinions. Uh, secondary. I want you to take this one, man. What made what made this like so awesome for you? Uh, it's got a lot of things that I enjoy. So it's like a really, really weird sci-fi world where they haven't really explained a lot, but the world building they do do is like very cool and makes you just sort of like ask more weird questions, like why did the Nazis come back? Did we lose World War Two in this? They're blaming just random French people for the economy collapsing. Um, the race in general, like th that dude with the ascot who's announcing the whole thing, he's like the dude who spoke in the clip up top. He is so fucking intense and weird. 
I love like the aesthetics of this movie, the cut between sort of like the uh fuck what's the cartoon with Snidely Whiplash? Wacky Racers. Wacky Racers? Yeah. It's like it's like wacky races, but like hyper violent and then cutting back and forth to these super weird fucking tableaus of like sci fi oddness. And there are also a few moments that I I can't believe were not intentionally like funny. So the reveal of Frankenstein's hand at the end, I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. Uh. <laughs> okay. Like the I, hand grenade? Yeah. Well, okay, just the scene where it happens, right? Where they're having like this really emotional heart to heart. And then like it's sort of like string music in the background. And she's like, why don't you ever take your glove off? <laughs> she pulls it off. And you just see the metal hand with a grenade embedded in it. She goes, is that a grenade? I started, I just started cackling. I had to pause the movie and take a lap. <laughs> okay. I don't, I can't explain it. It's just, uh, I had a lovely time watching this and I really liked how sort of like oddly high concept it was. Cause like the, the like weird sort of like race violence is like almost second to like all the other strange shit going on. Like, sure. Why? Who is this president guy? What's he doing? Why does he rule from Japan? What is happening here? There's so many strange <laughs> things. Why does Frankenstein get to become the president after blowing up the old president? <laughs> Lots of questions. Um, but I just had a. I thought it was just like it was so much fun, and a lot of stuff that I enjoyed. Okay, I, but it sounds like you did not have a, as good of a time. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I okay. I like. I liked it. Uh-huh. Card cards on the table. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as you, but I enjoyed it. Okay. Death Race two thousand. I didn't know what to expect, so I thought originally it was they're all convicts, and if they win the race, their sentences get like the the plot of the new movies, basically. Right? Uh, commuted, right? Cor- correct. Now I've never seen the new one. I never saw any of Death Race in my head because I also played a shit ton of Twisted Metal. I was a massive Twisted Metal fan. I was just assuming because I'm like, oh, I I know all of these like vehicular combat games come from Death Race. Like I, I knew that much. So in my head, I like pieced together the plot, having never seen it and just seen the box art in like Blockbuster and shit from the '90s and hearing people loosely talk about it. So when I saw this and like they're not convicts, they're all lauded as fucking heroes. Uh like they're doing it for national pride. It's like the Hunger Games meets twisted metal like amalgamation. But like no, um but like no serious tones to be found anywhere in the movie. Right. Like parts of it are like slapsticky the way people die. And again, that comes down to like it, it's trying to be serious. But it's so campy because it it's Roger Corman. This is what Roger Corman does. He tr- he tr- like I don't think this is it, trying his... to be serious. It's I mean it's definitely not trying to be a comedy. If we look at other seventies comedies, well, it's not like Twins or something. But I do think like I I don't believe that the people making this movie like thought they were making like a gritty action film or something. Like parts of it are too fucking like off the wall and weird to not for people not to be aware of how hilarious it is. I don't know, man. I think people are just like, oh yeah, it's a great sci-fi flick, and I think we can say that now. But I think when it came out, 
people were like, it's the, like, I don't know. I, I just think it was like one of those violent 70s sci-fi movies. I guess it's hard to tell, like, I guess it's hard to tell because we can't go back to 75 and ask people like what they thought. And I guess we can't ever ask like the production team or whatever, if like how they wrote this and what the intention was. Um, there were some parts that had like, the, I love the hand grenade bit. Like that, that was great. That's yeah. And that can't be serious. I don't know. The genre gets listed as action comedy for whatever that's worth. Oh, um. Okay. Um, like, part, like having so, like having Machine Gun Joe start the race by backing into his pit crew because they said something slightly off color to him or like behind his back, or like you know, he starts by just like shooting his Tommy gun off into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, god, it's so I don't know, it's like camp can be intentional, you know, it's like sure. all of uh, who's the guy with the tiny mustache, Waters. Pink Flamingo's guy. It's like his entire body of work is... Divine? <laughs> uh, Divine was in Pink Flamingo's, but the director, I can't think of it, was John Waters. <laughs> like lots of intentional camp that is funny. Um. Hmm. Maybe. Um, so... There is like there is a resistance group who are trying to kill Mr. President to end the death race, and it is being led by Tomanisa Payne, who is related to Thomas Payne. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And she is related to like 1776 Thomas Payne. Yeah. The, like uh, uh Life, Liberty, what? and Property Thomas Payne. Yeah, what was the book he wrote? Uh, um uh, The Leviathan? No, I don't. No, it, it's a famous fucking. Was it Common Sense? Oh, he did write Common Sense. Oh. Okay, yeah. Write the land. So yeah, so Thomas Paine, like it, it's his descendant or whatever, and they are going to try and kill all the racers and then kill Mister President. And there is a legendary driver named Frankenstein who has been in so many crashes. And he's disfigured, so he wears a mask, and he dresses all in black, and uh, no one knows what he looks like. But, uh, but surprise! Frankenstein has actually died, and they just keep replacing him with other state-trained drivers to drive under the moniker of Frankenstein, I mean, so they can in, keep the appeal going. That's in Death Race, but I don't know that they said that outright in Death Race 2000. I think he just faked the injury yeah. stuff. They no, he did. It. Yeah, see, this is... It's in a scene where David Carradine is stripped down and he's going to sex up his navigator for the second time. I may have been distracted. And, and he's like, I'm a I'm state driver. Drive. When, like, when, when one of us dies, just another, like I, I was trained in a facility, we're all Frankenstein. Oh, the facility part. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, it's a couch line. And if you don't hear that, you totally miss that part. So... <laughs> It honestly ends up not being super relevant to the It doesn't, yeah, movie it doesn't. Anyway. It's all for this weird bit where he takes off. He's like, because the whole time you see him, he's like, he's, it, his fucking costume is so weird. He's in like, he's in a gimp suit the entire time, basically, with like this weird pointy black helmet. And then he's got like a leather sort of thing covering 
most of his face, but you can see his like bugged out eyes and his mouth, and it like looks like he's like covered in burns or something, basically. And they keep on talking about how like his limbs were ripped off in various crashes in previous years. Um, Josh said he looks like Darth Vader, and thinking about it, it really does look like a prototype of a Darth Vader costume. I think it kind of looked like a uh, like one of the ghouls from Fallout or something. Um, the parts that you can see anyway, because like his lips are like held back really far. I don't know, but all of that stuff is just like a fake prosthetic. He takes off the leather face mask and all of the all of the weird shit comes with it, and he's just David Carradine under there. Now you and I, side story, Alex. You and I kind of have a history with Mr. Carradine. I guess. I mean, we watched. Yeah, we watched the pilot of Kung Fu, and then we watched the first season of Kung Fu, and well, we realized we it was one the of first, the most draining. We watched the first episode of the first season, which is ninety percent just rehashes from the pilot. Well, it was so long, very long and boring. <laughs> so long. Um, he's much better in Kill Bill, which is what I the first thing I saw him in. And, uh, it, yeah, so they have to race and they're killing each other and they're hitting pedestrians and whoever wins gets to shake the hand of Mr. President. And Frankenstein is like the crowd favorite. He is the American hero, Frankenstein. And in but this Frankenstein... Races, they go to spas and they just sort of hang out around each other when they're not trying yeah. to murder each other on the road. And uh, Frankenstein has a grenade in his hand because he is going to kill... Mr. President, because um, spoiler alert, this this Frankenstein wants things to end. So it goes on with like also, <clears> these a, people. His navigator like, is a spy. She's the daughter of Thomasina yes. Payne, and she's there to undermine Frankenstein. Uh, yes, at first, but then they she is wooed and, by him and their common. Well, there's some. There's some fun, like, driving murder moments, like people getting gored, or, like, Machine Gun uh, Joe, like, running like running is that he, guy down through the, like, the river. He's, is he the one with the giant K-bar? Like, I know they have machine yeah. guns in front of the car, but also yeah. big knives, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, he, there's that, I mean, they show a part where he just, like, drives, he stabs someone in the balls with his car, right? He, like, impales, they show, like, yes. they cut back to that, and they just show, like, his crotch covered in blood. This movie. Um, <laughs> so good. And, you know, so like one by one, the racers get picked off either by each other or by this resistance movement. Yeah. Occasionally. That are, <laughs> yeah. That are like working in secret. And, so uh, good little, just like, just little bits they do. So this was not the resistance guys, but there's a part where they're driving and there's this open manhole cover and three guys pop out and then they're playing like their chicken game kind of with the cars as they come and two of them hop back down and the second guy replaces the manhole behind him and the third guy goes to jump down and the manhole's there and he goes, uh oh, and then he gets run over. Lots of fun little stuff like that. Happening but then like the, the guys pop back up and Machine Gun Joe like runs over them. Yeah, he comes back and get him. <laughs> He's a real spiteful asshole, that Machine Gun Joe. Uh, and this is Sylvester Stallone one year before Rocky. Yeah. Like, Truly I always thought Rocky great. was his first thing. I, <laughs> I was unaware uh, that we'd be getting sly in this. Um, th so, there are some, like, like, the economy, the world is fixated on this death row. I don't think it's the world. I think it's just America. 
race. Just, People are uh, so enamored. <sighs> well, but Mr. President is ruling from Japan. His like the presidential palace in Japan. The presidential palace like, is in Japan, but I think like they're the way the show sort of around it is happening. It seems like it's going out only to an American audience. The addresses from Mr. President are like all to an American audience, right? And they talk like he'll talk about like you know we're we're bouncing back, even though those. What do they say? It's the French. Like, the French, the French. destroyed. Even though the French destroyed our economy no and France. our roads and our infrastructure. <laughs> and now they're trying to sabotage our death race. There's, they get very close to... There's something happening here where they have a lot of times where they're talking about the race, but they call it, like, the great race or, like, the sacred race. They're getting very close to, like, like on-the-nose Nazi talk at points. Uh, with the sure. way that they sort of talk about the death race, I think they may even say race war. Every time the Nazi talks about it, it makes my skin crawl a bit. But she dies very quickly. That's good. Um, you don't like Matilda the Hun? It's just weird <laughs> seeing like a bouncy, bubbly girl with a big old swastika. So, who's your favorite racer? Uh. I think it's Machine Gun Joe, honestly. <laughs> really? I just I don't like David Carradine that much. Like I, I, I Ouch. the scenes that he's in, like he's I don't know. I think it's because he's like the closest thing this movie has to like an everyman or like someone that you're supposed to like. He's the least cartoonish, but also like he has like some the least fun scenes. And his car. What is his fucking car? He's in a black gimp suit and his car is like a dinosaur lizard. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Everyone else has a theme. The Nazis are in a rocket car. Machine Gun Joe's car has machine guns and knives on the front of it. Nero's car is kind of like a chariot thing and he's wearing a grapevine helmet or like crown. Cleopatra. Has- yeah, Calamity Jane is like a cowboy car. Those all make sense. And then Frankenstein... I guess because the, maybe the car is a monster. Maybe that's why. Maybe it was like Frankenstein's monster. Or I don't fucking know, but it was. Sure. I think you just cracked it. <laughs> and I don't like that it takes that much thinking and like a leap of logic. You could have put, like if he's Frankenstein, you could have just made the car like look like Frankenstein's monster. Just put some bolts on it and shit, you know? Eh, but yeah, he's, he's the least fun. Except for that hand grenade part. That was definitely the funniest moment in the movie for me. Um, did you have a favorite one? Um, I don't like Calamity Jane. Yeah, she was pretty fun too. I I don't know why. Like, I think the idea of like her having like the car with the horns and she was like goring people. Oh, oh god, she gets into a fight with a bullfighter in her car. Which like why? Yeah, I, that that makes gets, me crack up. She gets tricked by the red by the <laughs> the red towel yeah. he's waving. It was like that's where. Bulls, you're not an actual bull. That's great. <laughs> it was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Definitely a cop. Um, this movie reminds me yeah, of like, I, I don't Cannonball know. Run and Rat Race or something. You know, sure. Like those kind of movies, the like the madcap dash across America stuff. Um, uh, so they have three days to hit the finish line. And, um, you know, along the way, like Frankenstein and his navigator realize they're working to a similar purpose. Uh, they end up pulling like the old switcheroo and oh God. <laughs> they end up pulling like the old switcheroo where like 
Frankenstein wins the race, and he goes up, quote-unquote, he goes up, and uh, Thomasine, it's actually Tommy's, uh, Tomanisa Payne's granddaughter, dressed in Frankenstein garb, and uh, she gets, like, shot or whatever, yeah, and then... a sniper in the crowd, like, separate from the assassination attempt they're trying to do. It, it's the French, Alex. Um, and then Frankenstein, like, unrobed, like, derobed, defrocked, drives his car through the uh, podium that Mr. President is on, killing Mr. President. And then Annie Smith is just fine. Like, the shot didn't actually kill her or anything, because she's very much seen, like, walking and stuff. Totally fine. She gets so hit then, the shoulder or something, and then they show her being escorted off the stage by someone. Yeah. But then they show them getting married, yeah, and he's like, now President Frankenstein, and he's not disfigured. Yeah, I stopped paying attention for like two seconds. And so everyone like can I, see that. I've, yeah, I feel like I missed how it went from. I don't remember if they ended the like they killed the president. I don't know if they had an election after that, or I think it was, no. Was it just like everyone was like everyone wants Frankenstein to be president, so now he's president, and then he ends the death it, race. It, it, it just cuts. It's straight up like the president is dead, and then it cuts to like, "Hey, I'll bring Frankenstein." It's still being announced by the same guy with those aviators and the ascot, who I love. <laughs> he's awesome. And like, they ask him, they're like, "You know what? What are you gonna do?" And he's gonna reinstate voting for women and minorities. Oh, yeah. He's gonna bring the presidential power back to America. You know he's what? gonna end the death race. I think that in this world, in the death race two thousand world, America is an apartheid state. It kind of feels like that. Well, because they also talk about how Mr. President introduced the concept of minority privilege. Oh, right. Which I think yeah. is, uh, is some coded language for apartheid government. Sure. And, uh, you know, Frankenstein is going to revert all of that and bring it, make, make it the America state again. Like, make yeah. it the United States. And the death race. I love that. Oh my god! And then the announcer is like, "You're going to end the death race. It's everyone's favorite thing. Why? 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 Why?" And then they just run him over. It's great, right? <laughs> uh, and that's Death Race 2000, and oh, it came out in '75. I also really and like, uh, we didn't talk about it, but the the woman who was doing sort of like the post mortem interviews, right? They have like the first guy who oh, dies. They have her, her widow on, and this woman is interviewing <laughs> her. And the the woman has this weird like sort of spacey affect it's almost like uh i'll think of their name in a second but she talks out she every time she mentions someone she's like my close personal friend the president right close personal friend frankensteiner that's what piers morgan does when he talks (laughs) everyone everyone he interviews or talks it's these are my first close no friend like alex jones is a similar vibe too but those are both assholes This person, that scene where they're interviewing the widow, though, right? And she's like, she's crying, but it then at some point it becomes unclear whether they're tears of joy or like pain because like her husband is dead, but because he's the first person killed in the death race, she basically gets to like live a made life from then on, right? She gets like set up in right. like, a really nice like a palace basically or something. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge is who the woman reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah this is a bonkers movie in a really fun way so it ends on like a high note like America will be returned and all that Um, drive off into the sunset yeah Yeah. 
And it would, you know, Death Race would go on to be one of, like, the sci-fi, I guess, classics or staples or, like, things of the genre, you know? Um, maybe. I don't, maybe a little on really the... don't see it get brought up in, like, sci-fi retrospectives talking about, like, sort of, like, the best sci-fi through the ages. It doesn't really show up. I've read a lot of those, and it's... This movie, like, I'm not, like... I like sci-fi stuff. I definitely haven't seen it all, but this movie had flown under my radar basically like, since since I've been alive. I've been but you knew it existed. I knew it existed, but that's mostly I think because of the remakes and those getting a lot of like media at the time. But I didn't like. If you go and look for like lists of influential or like just good sci-fi like through the decades, this does not show up anywhere. So. uh... Oh, interestingly enough, some pop culture. Would you like to know how Death Race, like where Death Race um, 2000 exists in pop culture? What do you mean where it exists? Like in what universe? So at the beginning of Isle of the Dead by Buckethead, he uses a short excerpt from the film. Oh, cool. Okay. The Alex Jones show frequently uses audio of the scene where Harold explains the scoring system as a bumper. Oh. Fuck you, Alex Jones. Okay. Oh, that's because you see, you, you know, yeah. So that's yeah. fun. That's yeah. fun that Alex Jones uses uh, death rays. And he, uh, that guy does not understand satire. He says it a lot. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing satire. So then years would go by, and we would eventually get to the year 2008 when a little movie. Uh, written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson would come along in the name of Death Race. I want to strangle Paul W.S. Anderson. I fucking hate this guy. Now, Death Race came out in August 22nd, 2008. The budget was 45 to 70 million. The box oh. office take was 75 million dollars. Boo. So made some money. Now you really there's you now much (laughs) like much like Sylvester Stallone totally sidelined me in '75. I did not expect to see Ian McShane in this. That was the only part of the movie I liked. He was so much better than this movie deserved. Ian McShane, great. Everyone else, I wanted to fucking throw a rock at. I love Ian McShane. Now you viscerally hate this movie. How come? It's it's twofold. Like a because the movie is quite bad. Like okay, I'll do it. I'll do okay. I'm gonna go back. My first, the first thing I don't like about it is that it takes like all this crazy like whimsy weirdness from the first one and just says like no, we're not gonna do any of that cool stuff. Um, we're going gritty and dark and now he's not called Frankenstein he's called Frank everyone just has people names now well no he's, he's known as he, he's still Frankenstein know, but, but they just shorten it to Frank they say Frankenstein like yeah. three times in this fucking movie and everyone else is just a normal dude right or they have they have gang like prison gang nicknames that I also or they have like. twisted or, or they have twisted metal nicknames because one of them is literally named Mr. Grimm oh yeah <laughs> which is a twisted <laughs> metal, metal character metal like the Grim Reaper guy. Yeah. So there are some of those. I don't know. It's all like all the cars are just like real cars. Uh, but so like aside, so taking they took away all of the sort of like the fun weird shit from the original one. 
And then also, just the movie is, like, really bad. Like, the script is not good, and the fucking film photography, I don't, I don't, the way this movie is edited, where, like, every time they're in a car, the camera never holds still. It's always zooming in and out really fucking quickly. Um, did you notice that? Every time they're in a car? Uh, I didn't notice it, only because I, I didn't notice much in this movie. Because it was so paint my numbers, I was just kind of on autopilot. So yeah, so so well they they do do that. It was almost as egregious as the weird lens flare shit from the Total Recall movie we just watched. But it was just all the time. The camera like never stops. They do lots of like really jarring quick cuts. It's that thing where the movie is edited together in such a way that it makes like the events harder to follow. Right. You know? So this death race, the premise is what I thought. They are yeah. convicts, and you are sent to a an island where, like, like prison island, terminal island, where uh, you can get your sentence commuted if you win five death races. And you have to pay pay-per-view to watch the death races, and ratings go through the roof. And Frankenstein is the driver who cannot be killed, right? I did not he is one them making like he, us actually watch their pay-per-view ads in the middle of the movie. <laughs> you get to see the paper, yeah. $9.99 for the first stick. Good luck here, too. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, Jason Statham is just a, he's a hard-working man. He's an honest man. He's got a wife and a daughter, and he's working at the steel mill, They've... and the steel mill closes down. Oh, yeah. And uh, now, <laughs> the riot with, with show a... Up and just beat the shit out of everyone for no reason. And now he's out of money and he goes back home to tell his wife about his sorrows, but she loves him. She's a good woman. They're going to make it through. They got a baby and everything, but Oh my God, terror and mayhem and chaos descends as Jason Statham walks downstairs to see his wife unconscious on the floor. And then he is pepper sprayed to unconsciousness only to wake up and see him. Yeah. Only to wake up and see a masked figure leaving this house. But now he, he is covered with blood and a knife and his wife is dead. And now Jason Statham is framed. Yeah. We haven't tracked this before, but I think we should start now. This might be a record for the quickest like time from opening credits to the wife being fridged. It happens so fucking fast. It... It, within 15 minutes of the credits, like maybe even sooner there, than 15 minutes. I think her only but... line is like, you're a good man, Jason Statham. She says his real name, but that's like, she gets like two lines and it's just like, yeah, Jason Statham is a good guy, actually, despite his sort of like prison physique and tattoos. Um, <laughs> and then she dies. That's it. She gets like one scene where she's, she's like making him a sandwich and telling him he rocks. And then she's dead in the next scene. Yeah, and like she's gonna get him a beer, and like she, you know, she she like pulls out like a Pabst Blue Ribbon, and she's like, "Let's get crazy." Well, the PBR, and I forgot about that. They're really the egregious product placement PBR. They show her pulling yeah. it out and then close it on her hand, holding the can. That PBR can got more screen time than she did almost. <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie does not pass the Bechtel test. Oh, yeah, that too. They have that president lady, the prison warden, but she doesn't, she doesn't talk to anyone else. So, it, like, he is now framed. Also, this is such a bland, like, 
Oh my god, we get it. Jason so, Statham so is crazy. this so fucking like good looking cut like hard working man who framed it. Like we get it. How many times have we seen a movie where someone gets fucking I didn't kill my wife? He like, also, okay, fugitive. Like also we get it. Like the Alice character from Resident Evil. Like, I don't this must be a Bob oh my. Anderson thing, but like <laughs> The baddest ass who ever did badass ever anywhere on the planet is like the main character in these movies, right? Because like Jason Statham is like three v oneing these like built Aryan Brotherhood guys in fist fights. Well, so he gets <laughs> he gets put back in the system, and his real his name in this is Jensen Ames. Oh, right, that's right. <laughs> You're a good and names. he gets put into. A like he gets put into his cell with three big dudes, and they're clearly like you oh. know one of them like kisses at him, and yeah. then we hear like a kerfuffle. A swastika carved into his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> we hear like a kerf- kerfuffle from the outside, and the prison guards walk back, and we see these dudes laid out, and Jason Statham is standing up by the cage, and he like by the the gate, and he goes, "They slip." Dude, and it's like ah, okay character syndrome so bad but he literally is the main character <laughs> right so, uh, right they have that prison guard who like basically wants him to die the whole time and he like he sort of throws he throws him in the cell and they show the scene of him walking away like knowingly smirking to himself like oh this guy's fucked <laughs> which yeah also because of things that get revealed later it's really weird he's trying to get this guy killed all the time but he is right <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> So uh, it turns out that the pr- uh, and the prison warden offers him a deal, like our you oh, yeah. know Frankenstein Jensen is dead. Ames also helpfully had like a small time career. Uh, he was a pretty good like race car driver back in the day. Um, well, he he raced the death race before. Is that what it was? I thought he was just a good driver because he, he'd done some time upstate and he won some races up there. Oh, I thought he went to jail. I think I thought he was. I thought the way it was is that he was a professional race car driver, and then he like got a DUI and hit someone and killed. Them no, that was Travis Cole. That. that was oh, that was the NASCAR guy. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ames is in there. Similar backstories. He's just a dude who it, also drove. Okay. Yeah, he he did some time upstate, and he drove upstate in that death race. Um. So. Now, like, the the prison warden is like, you can have your daughter back and I'll let you out of here if you race as Frankenstein. Because the real Frankenstein dies at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, and it's voiced by David Carradine. Is it really? I didn't look it up, but it's definitely his voice. Yeah, it's just Uh, David Carradine. Okay. I Uh, I recognize that weird voice anywhere. And this is around (laughs) Kill Bill. This is like a few years after Kill Bill, so it makes sense that he would be, like, back in things. Okay, second resurgence or third resurgence. Um, so Frankenstein, like you know, I'm not going to be Frankenstein. Like, well, your daughter, like you're you're going to be here for a long time. Your daughter's going to be adopted and shit. This like picture of your daughter already with a new dad, which is confusing. Yeah, <laughs> she's like showing him that picture of some other dude holding his daughter to threaten. Right. Like, so that so that it's like happy without you. You know, it's like, so he agrees to be Frankenstein. He meets his pit team of Ian McShane, who is awesome, <laughs> and two other guys who are forgettable. And, uh, although they they're fun. Suck. They're forgettable, but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like the slapsticky, like, sidekicks, kind of. But not really. I mean, 
There's like a dude with a stutter kind of lists. Yeah. He like they never say it outwardly, but I think they're just trying to like code him as autistic or something. I think so too. It like it's two thousand eight. It seems way. like Yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it, yeah. <laughs> It's 2008. Enough said. Okay. Um, the early thousands tried to do that. Like, if if the 90s tried to, like, tackle homosexuality and, like, gay couples and, like, movies and media and, like, ooh, we're so edgy because we're having this character be represented. The thousands tried to do that with people on the spectrum. And it... A little bit. Like, I mean, they also made... Spoiler alert, it 2000s. didn't work. They also made Crash in the 2000s. Um, it was... Like the <sighs> Kevin Spacey car sex movie? Not that movie. The one about sort of like race relations, ostensibly, right? Is like oh, Bullock that crash. It's like with, the, yeah, the yeah. Sandra Bullock and then that racist guy playing the cop or the guy playing the racist cop. And then there's like the... There's yeah, the yeah I forgot about movie. Crash. Yeah. That was a good movie. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's so wasn't bad. it? No, it's not. I thought it was a good movie. Anyway, let's talk about this awesome death. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, uh, so Death Race comes out, and, uh, you know, like you got a race, and all of the Alex is totally right. All of the cars have lost their character, and now they look like twisted metal vehicles. They're just regular cars with armor on them. They even tell you Correct. the name of some of the cars, and someone's driving a Chrysler 300, which is such a weird car to choose. It's like that's a luxury sedan. Like, if you look at one. And car heads don't come at me for this, but it's basically the same body shape as like a Bentley, like that kind of big boxy luxury sedan. The guy, I think the guy that was driving it was like the uh, the only Hispanic guy in the race, and he dies in the first one almost instantly. But um, the yeah, like the cars just look like twisted metal cars. They're like gritty, beat up metal with like reinforced armor plating, machine guns, mini guns, stone. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, um, they have like offensive weaponry, or like they have what they have like Frankenstein's car will like shoot oil and napalm out of, and smoke out of the back of it. Right, and that's that's defensive weaponry. The offensive weaponry of the machine guns from the front on the front. Yeah. Ooh, fuck! That was good. That made me oh, laugh. Yeah. Um, also, they did this other weird thing, though, right? But they only they only named like six of the competitors, but there's like fourteen fucking people in this race. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> they do like they do like the four or five intros. I think it's because they ran out of like race gangs they could put people in after about four or five because they they basically just break down around along race lines like prison race gangs, right? So there's like Tyrese is like. I don't. Tyrese Gibson Tyrese is Gibson. Joseph Machine Gun Joe oh, Mason. Yeah, they reuse that one, but they mostly just call him Joe. But he's like, you know, he's he's in the Black Prison Gang. They have a Hispanic guy. He's in the Hispanic Prison Gang. There's an Aryan Brotherhood Prison Gang. That's Hector Grimm. Grimm. <laughs> oh, Grimm that, is the Hispanic guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hector Grimm. There's Hector he the also, Grim Reaper Grimm. He also drives uh, the like 300. <laughs> There's he dies so fucking fast. Like before some of the unnamed people. Oh, there's the Asian guy. I can't remember his name, but it's like K. 14K. 14K. 14, uh, 10th gen 14K. It's Robin Shao, who is fucking Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Like the 90s Mortal Kombat. That's yeah. Robin Shao. So Robin Shao is 14K, a 10th generation triad member. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, the only one in that prison to hold a degree from MIT. Right. Yep. That do. Oh yeah, because a uh, list or whatever has the backstory on everyone. They also talk about how many people they've killed on and off the track. Right. Uh, there is. Um. Oh God, the uh the Aryan Nazi guy, uh, Pachenko is oh, the yeah, Russian. Pachenko. and he's like, he has a bit of a spat before the race starts with a. With Mr. Jensen there. So, like, they're kind of have it out for each other. But then he kills Pachanko, like, super fucking quick. Uh, and then there's Travis Colt, who is the NASCAR driver. Yeah. Um, there are some other characters, like a character named Riggs, but you only see his name. You don't really know his he's angle. Navigator Murtaugh. Um, so, uh, you know, it's from so, there on, they race one day and then they race a second day and. Here to, uh, another moment in this movie that really pissed me off was the introduction of the navigators. Where they're like, oh, oh they're from God. a women's prison up the road. They need eye so, candy. And yeah. Like so, the most gratuitous fucking. <laughs> so the navigators in this are women, Except like they were in the original. Right. Um, because he goes through them so quickly, apparently. Also, some people imply that he's gay. Well, they don't imply it. They straight up say that he's fucking him. But it's like a homophobic um, way, not in a cool, embracing way. So they're like, you know, you're going to meet your... Because, like, Jason Statham has agreed to be Frankenstein, so he's like, fine, I want to meet my my navigator. They're like, you're going to meet him tomorrow because they're brought in from the women's prison. And then it cuts to a prison bus unloading these women who are all wearing tight fucking jeans. Yeah, they're dressed like the cast of the like, Ugly coming yeah. from the fucking prison bus. <laughs> Everyone's midriff yeah. is out, very tight pants. And they're like... yeah. Cleavage all really over the place. Sashaying and like working. Uh, this is happening like in the middle of this men's prison, right? They're like surrounded by murderers that are like hooting and hollering. I love this because they're like, you know, we need eye candy to draw the viewers in. And then right. a second later, they're in Frank's car. And then uh, Ian McShane is like, this is mirrored glass, so you can take the mask off if you want. <laughs> like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think they, they, they mean it for everyone who isn't Frankenstein, right? No, that's what I'm saying. The audience can't see into these cars. Like, right. the ones you can't. Well, no, 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 like, no, no, no. The audience armor. can see into everyone's car but Frankenstein. Sure. Frankenstein <laughs> specifically has the mirrored glass. On the outside, though, right? Like, on both. I don't. I don't know. This movie does not try and yeah, like, it, it take doesn't, its own logic very seriously. Yeah, basically, <laughs> they needed an excuse to get women who are like good-looking in like tight clothes. Excuse. It would have been less egregious if they didn't just make up a really bullshit reason for these people being there. Sure. And all of you know, and of course, if these women survive the race, their sentences get commuted as well because they have to help. Like, yeah, it's a and team effort. Like in the original death race, we're a little suspicious of. Or is her name Annie in this? The Frank's navigator. No, uh, her name is Case. Case, because Case may have sabotaged Frankenstein, previous Frankenstein. Yeah, Niles York, who was the original Frankenstein, who was David Carradine. You're correct. But yeah, I recognize. I, I looked that up. I looked that up, yeah. David Carradine appears as Niles York or Frankenstein, who was the first, the the opening death race we see. Niles York. <laughs> oh. Okay. Sure. Um, so the race goes on, like, one day, two day, three day. Uh, and Ian McShane kind of, like, he understands that, you know, this guy's a good guy. They're not he racing across the either. country anymore. They're just racing circuits on not, this prison island that everyone lives right. in. Right. 
way less compelling also <laughs> yeah they're just they're going through like a built up sort of like industrial area basically is their track and there's in like order to machine get... gun turrets and stuff all over the place in order to get the weapons and their defenses turned on they have to drive <sighs> over like mario kart rules it was crazy yeah <laughs> they have to drive over these symbols swords and shield with all four wheels at once if you drive over a sword, you get your offensive weapons, which are the machine guns activated. If you drive over a shield, you get your defensive weapons activated, but you have to drive over them with all four wheels at once. That's the thing. And if then someone takes then. it before you, like if someone cuts and crosses over in front of you and they take it, then it is deactivated for like a yeah. period of time. Mario Kart rules. Until until the cube respawns, you get no attacks from it. So, uh, and, and this is why I say this is like Twisted Metal, because they have a fucking minion in it. Oh. <laughs> that big-ass truck with the flamethrower, that's literally from Twisted Metal Black. Like, the oil tanker. Oh, is that what that? Okay, the Truckosaurus thing. Yeah, god. The, yeah. Uh, the five-second, like, build-up and reveal of that is so bad. Because the entire time, uh, they're like, oh, uh... They have that one scene where they walk into the area where it yeah, would have been worked on, right? But the camera pans out so far. It looked like whatever they were working on was like multiple stories tall. Because they have right. like scaffolding reaching up hella high, too. And Ian McShane is like, what were they working on in here? Something yeah, will find us like, I mean, semis are big, but you don't need three-story scaffolding to get on top of them. I don't <laughs> So, uh... It, it, yeah, like, you know, they're, they're, all the racers have their little area with their cars, and at the back is, like, a sealed-off area, and the prison warden has her project there. And it, they called it the Dreadnought, and you don't see oh, that yeah. until, like, the second race. And it's basically, if you've played Twisted Metal Black, they're, like the, the, there's a character in Twisted Metal called Minion. He's been in all the Twisted Metals, or most of them. Um, sometimes he's had, like, an armored tank, but in Twisted Metal Black, he basically has a giant oil tanker body with... a modified semi-cab, and then a giant fucking flamethrower on top. It's just the dread. Like, it, it's just that. It is just yeah, that. When I saw that thing random. finally pull out, I'm like, hey, this is Twisted Metal. Some this random, just like, looks like Twisted Metal. Of it. Yeah. It looked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... So, and, and with the, also, like, where they're breaking the rule of their own thing, because it's supposed to be a race. And that... Yeah. The Dreadnought is not a racing vehicle. So, like, why would anyone watch it at that point? Oh, we're, like, it's, what? The race doesn't matter if you can just have, like, cars working for you, killing the... Then no one wins? And then, like, what? Yeah, it's a confusing... I can't... It's hard to track anyone's motivations in this movie. <laughs> why, why are they doing it? And to what end are they doing it? Um, and it seems like the world is fine, except for like the prison system. Well, that's not. Oh yeah, no. The economy right. has collapsed basically. Like, Jason Correct. Statham is not going to find another job after the cops beat him up when the steel mill closed down. It was like another part of this, but then he gets like not really a problem he has to address because he gets framed for murder. Right. Like they say the economy has collapsed, but yet people can afford ninety nine dollars to watch a death race. Well, pay per view has always been crazy, but yes, I mean they. Yeah, they. A lot of uh, a lot of tell don't show happening here, right? Because they just have that intro monologue where they're like, "The year is whatever the fuck." The economy twenty twelve. Everyone watches yeah. the death race now as the national pastime. I'm like, how can they afford it? Okay, 
fine, fine. The economy collapsed, but somehow there's, and like all the prisons are now owned by private companies, which, you know, that already happens. Yeah. I mean, that, so, that part, that part checks out, uh, would not have been an impossible thing to predict in 2008. But. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and then to like Frankenstein pieces together that the warden killed his wife. So yeah. they they have these they show these like these crews that are working on their cars or something or they're working on the track or whatever they're allowed to be outside of the prison building for some reason and they all have these they're basically ankle bracelets but they wear them on their wrists because it's easier for us to see them that way and then he has a flashback and the guy in the black mask that knocked him out with the bear maze that knocks people out he was wearing one of these tracking things and he makes a little hand sign. And it's the same. He makes a little like finger gun sign at him, and it's the same finger guns that the Aryan Brotherhood guy flashed at him. Yeah, and like the warden basically said, like I'll give you easier sentences if you kill this guy, because she wanted him to be the new Frankenstein. She's playing everyone. She's playing all the angles in this. So She's like, like the dean in that episode of Community where they're doing the conspiracies. So this movie goes on. And, uh, you know, like, he finds out that Kate, like, Jason Statham finds out that his navigator actually sabotaged the, like, Frankenstein at the beginning of the movie. Because, like, you know, Frank can't get out. He He's the most popular so, like, driver. The like, warden, Frank. The warden yeah. set it up to where, like, Frankenstein, quote unquote, has already won four races. You only have to win one more. And then at a certain point current Frankenstein realized like oh she's never gonna let me win this race right because if you get five races you win and you can leave so Frankenstein is the most popular racer and the warden can't have that Frankenstein character leave so anytime he gets killed they just replace him with another driver and he would essentially never get that fifth win but he would just keep racing to keep the views up yeah um which at some point people would figure it out. I know. Like when you saw like, him die in a massive fireball in the previous race. Right. Or like, I mean, how many, like 10 years Frankenstein hasn't won a race for 10 years, but he's still the most popular. Yeah. Like, that's another thing too. He's only ever won four, but he's still like loved by, I don't know what it's not. The internal logic uh, of this movie is not really present. Right. Um, so like you know case did sabotage old frankenstein oh no, and through like because everything is being recorded so yeah. ian mcshane it was because what it's because the warden was like lording early exit papers above her or something right she was basically like sabotage him and i'll let you out was the, right like, the deal and fun fact she's still in there so obviously the warden didn't keep her fucking deal I, there, that comes up again later too, right? It's like she's still in there, a and was the deal like sabotage this Frankenstein and the next Frankenstein, and I'll let you out. Like, yes, maybe that was it. I don't know, but she also there's a point later where, like they they're gonna like I don't know. Well, I'll get to it when you're as you're rec- recounting things. <laughs> so like, yeah, um, this movie goes on and like Frank like. Jason Satham finds out that his navigator is like gonna screw him over because he's not supposed to win. And Ian McShane shows him something that we don't see yet, but it's like something that prompts him to go talk to Machine Gun Joe 
and oh, like right. something like something <laughs> yeah. is up something is something is amiss now yeah. so the final and third race happens and if you want it if you want to hear the rest of this podcast subscribe to our pay-per-view for 990 no i'm kidding we're not going to do that um but that's what they did in death race because they had to keep throwing in the pay-per-view oh, ad god i know they're really <laughs> they're really bad ads too they are so uh like the third race happens and the warden is now just like screwing him over, like screwing Frankenstein over. She's not, she's having the, uh, sword and shield systems turn off for him and turn on whenever, uh, machine gun Joe drives over them. Machine gun Joe and, uh, Frankenstein work together to take out the dreadnought in a kind of cool way, I guess. Kinda? Yeah. Oh, the I did like that was one scene. Where I was like, oh, that was actually kind of nice. So like they, this is like, oh, Paul Davies Anderson, you did some plant and payoff almost. Uh, kind of. They they say that thing about hey, you have to hit the things, the panels with all four wheels, and there are these panels we haven't. I don't know if we've mentioned them yet. These like skull panels where if you hit one, a trap opens up like directly in front of you, and you drive into it. Usually, it's some kind of large metal wall with spikes on it. Um. So Frank and Joe are like driving next to each other and they come out in front of the dreadnought thing and they touch one of these skulls, each with two of their own wheels. So it's four wheels cumulatively and they split off in opposite directions and the truck drives straight into the... The truck didn't look like it was going to dodge out of the way of that skull though, so I'm not really sure. I don't know if they needed it, to touch it. But. Yeah, it would have done it on its own. Um, So then like the race continues and... uh. Machine Gun Joe is just like, you know, da, 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 like machine gunning the back of the uh, Frankenstein's car, which is the tombstone. And uh, they're driving around and they're racing and this section of the wall gets blown up. And wasn't it uh, so like Joe or Frank drops the tombstone and then he drops a gas tank, right? That's to take out the cops later. Oh, okay, because Ian McShane has some really fucking bad ham-fisted dialogue right after that happens. Yeah. No one fucks (laughs) with my car. Good thing we put that one-and-a-half-gallon relief tank on there for you. It should take you through the rest of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, you know, like, they find a, like, they punch a hole, basically, and, like, they get out through the track... Oh, and yeah. um, the police there's, are like chasing them down, and it's a whole thing. Single bridge onto this island, on and off the island. There's one bridge, so, <laughs> so they're on the bridge, and uh, they're driving, and like they're helicopters and chase, and both of the guys get away because now they're working in concert. And... Oh, also, really just <laughs> a dialogue here where they're driving on the bridge, like they've just blown the hole in the wall, they're out, and then like a. Uh transporter looks over at Tyrese and he's like good thing we had that talk earlier huh Joe Joe's like yeah good thing and then they just go on about their really making sure audience you caught that they planned this you see you see you see I like that you just referred to him as transporter I I can't keep on forgetting his name Jason Statham Statham. yeah sorry Uh, from Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch he plays one character yeah I get it (laughs) <laughs> so the race is like now they're escaping from the cops and 
Jason Statham ducks out in his case now wears like the Frankenstein outfit. Oh, this is the part I wanted to talk about. So he checks in with yeah. Case and she's like, are you still good to do this? Like the warden's probably gonna be pretty pissed. And she's like, well, she already gave me my exit paper. So it doesn't even matter now. I was like, what the fuck? The pa- it's a paper. She gave you a piece of paper. You think she can't, you think you won some, you one strange tricked her into now she has to let you out of this prison. She's killing people for fun on the side. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's true. Bound by the rules of bureaucracy. It's it's true. Like there, she she is. Ian McShane says it earlier. She's judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! I tricked her. She gave me paper that says I can leave after this. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Although I guess it does matter because Ian McShane blows like the they warden up, right? Warden so. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the paper would be good to have. I don't know. They didn't really solve uh, Jason Statham's framing job at any point. I mean, they yeah, figure it out. They still... didn't try and like collect evidence to absolve him or anything. He right. And, that, and so like the movie ends with like you know uh, Machine Gun Joe, who is Tyrese, yeah, and Jason Statham now in Mexico working on a car, and uh, Case right. shows up. In her, like, in a new car, and she's like, had some problems getting my paper, but I'm good. Which, like, yeah, Alex, you're right. That paper didn't mean shit because she had some problems getting it. And they also have, like, really just bad car dialogue here. Like, I'm not exactly a car guy, but Tyrese walking up being like, how many horsepower does it have? 500. (laughs) Cool. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, like. We've got, so they blew up the warden. The warden had planted like C4 on Frankenstein's car, and we think it's going to go off at one point, and then it doesn't. And then the cuts to Ian McShane and Liss looking at this detonator flashing, and they're like, someone's probably really pissed off right now. <laughs> Ian McShane's like, nobody fucks with my car. Yeah, God, that's right. Yeah, that's what it was. And then that's what they blow her up with later. It's great. Right. <laughs> After they recovered Frankenstein, because yeah. anyone can be Frankenstein because it's the mask and the costume. Right. Uh, and then Jason Statham like reveals his daughter from the back of the car, <laughs> and yeah. now they're all just in Mexico hanging out. Yeah, because it's all about family. <laughs> like and then, and then credits, and then uh, there would go on to be more death fucking movies. <laughs> death Race Two would come out in 2010 with a whole new cast. Yeah, uh, Death Race Three Inferno. With a whole new cast, which came out in 2013. Then Death Race Beyond Anarchy. Beyond Anarchy. Yeah, they're just ripping off. It's just ripping off Beyond the Thunderdome. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that is. Uh, uh, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> really did not like race. it. 2000. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's over. Thank, thank the Lord. What is Ian McShane doing here? Just like I don't. He don't. It's two thousand eight. Like yeah, maybe early like in his career. I don't know. I don't, like yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> like I don't know when he became like an American staple. Um, I'm not sure either. I feel like the John Wick movies may have been like the biggest thing he nope. was in at that point. Well, because he was in Deadwood. Oh, okay. I guess I missed Deadwood, but that's a big one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like, he was in Deadwood. Um, 
I guess he's been around, but like I, I you know, I mean, I yeah, I like Ian McShane, so it's not crazy that the he... Warden too is like kind of a serious is like a serious actress. I think she's a main character in the Born Identity movie. She's like the CIA director or something. Yeah, that would be Joan Allen. Joan Allen, yeah. I mean, like I definitely recognized her from stuff. Um, yeah, she's Born Identity, Born Supremacy. I. Yeah, I, I oh, don't know, man. This off, movie, the wife and face off. Okay, okay. This movie was, uh, I don't know, not good. Yeah, like, yep, it was real fucking. And and nope, Jason Statham never ungloves his hand to reveal an embedded grenade. It was so egregious. He does yeah. not. <laughs> they took. He does not all the fun stuff out of the first movie. <laughs> and said no, no, no more of this. Yeah, I, uh, God, man, it's just, it was boring. I really put myself on autopilot for this. It was just like predictable plot, predictable ending. Yeah. Um, lots of like, I don't know, like the worst kind of like shitty movie stereotypes, like the, that scene where all the, where all the women come off the bus is like particularly egregious. I think there's also, like, these weird... I don't know if they're continuity errors or not, but so, like, Tyrese, at one point, he throws his driver, his he throws his navigator out of his truck, right? And then, yeah. like, two scenes later, they show, I think, the same navigator getting shot up by a machine gun. I I, I don't know, man. It wouldn't... Would it really surprise you if, like... It does. That... I don't think anyone was very checked in for this movie. The, the women getting off the bus, fridging the wife hella fast, just... Paul W.S. Anderson's writing in general being super fucking bad. Jason Statham's main character thing. I don't know. It's a lot of... It's a lot of not good. It's a lot lot of not good stuff. And, like, stuff that gets brought up as being, like, stereotypically bad, like, to a comedic extent, right? Like... Yeah. If you were trying to make a bad movie, you would include a lot of these tropes. Which, like... Good job, like Paul D- Paul W. S. Anderson might be this like centuries, like this decade or whatever. He might be this generation's Roger Corman. Maybe I guess they did make five, like, of those and that is not a compliment when I say that. Five of those, four of these. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> look at all the Resident Evils. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. Like what? What else? To like? Okay, let let's take a. <clears throat> He and now reboot deboot. That's the only weird one. That's like I love and, that movie. And now reboot deboot brings you Paul W. S. Anderson, a retrospective the Paul in short. W. S. Anderson Chronicles. Ugh. He did like okay. What do we got here? We got he did 1995's Mortal Kombat. He did Event Horizon. He did Resident Evil, Alien vs Predator, all of the Resident Evil movies. He did that DOA movie. Oh God, he did DOA. He did Pandorum. Oh, so he's he did video game adaptations too. He's in full like Dewey Bull territory. He did that Musketeers movie that came out like a decade ago. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I like Event like Horizon, James and I like I like Mortal, a, Mortal Kombat. I like Event. I like Event Horizon. I like Mortal Kombat. These are all very terrible, though. Universal Soldier or just oh god, this is one of the Schwarzenegger movies. I'm not super familiar with Soldier. That's not. Arnold Schwarzenegger, man, that's Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt Russell. Okay, what was I thinking of? Maybe there's a different. 
he like uh, he did Monster Hunter like based off of the video game Monster Hunter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like the FBI profiling thing. No, nope, not that. Mind Hunter, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what this guy is known for. Well, it looks like we've knocked out. He really, yeah. He's the, is the new Roger possibly. Corman. The crown of Corman is passed to you. What he does he have? Any? I hope he's not working on a new series or something. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. Hopefully not. So we don't need. Oh God, I forget. Fucking Resident Evil ends in like Mad Max territory. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, and that was land, reboot deboot bringing you land of the lost remake. No, <laughs> okay. And that was reboot deboot bringing you Paul W. Sanderson, a retrospective. Now back to our normal schedule program. Don't, don't do it. Just do it yeah, guess. unless you're watching, Just... unless you're watching a better horizon. <laughs> so, um, as far as like Death Race goes, do you like okay? When it comes to Death Race, Alex, do you want a reboot? Do you want a deboot? I want a deboot. I am morbidly curious about the sequels to this. I think they're like worse and worse. I think I can't imagine them getting better. I might go rewatch that your movie sucks thing. It covers at least three of them. (laughs) Uh, Do you think that? um... So, so this was like a win for you though with seventy five. Oh yeah, like Death Race two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like, like oh, this is the source material for the game Carmageddon. Is the that's the one where you run over Armageddon? That's from like the nineties. Um, yeah, I loved it. It had like crazy, weird, like dystopian sci-fi world, (laughs) and lots of like weird deep lore going on. But they don't explain too much of it. You just get weird little snapshots, and it's very slapsticky. Like, and I, you know, I love Rat Race. It's basically a hyper violent version of that, but like with other weird shit happening. All right. Uh. I'm gonna have to deboot this one though. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't want there to be more of these, but se- like 75 was cool for what it is. Um, it's it's like Logan's Run and Murder Ball, and you know, like yeah. I mean, I don't want a remake. I don't want another remake of the 75 one. I wouldn't want to see someone remake The Running Man. I still love that movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, this actually reminds um, me a lot of The Running Man. I think they have similar vibes. <laughs> but. uh... I, I, I'd rather uh, send this one to the scrapyard. Yeah, great. So, uh, Alex, like do you have any stone on it? Do you have any final words for our audience, our hearers? I don't. What? Watto lives. Still, so. Watto lives. <laughs> then we will see you guys next week. He stinks, and I don't like it. Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs too. The search for more money. Kawabunga.